everything and nothing with your hosts, Chris Cox and Charlie Hickmott. Remember, for extended interviews, taping dates, and more, head to SmirkStudiosInc.com. That's Smirk Studios, Inc. with a K, dot com. Hey, okay. No, which one of you has volume? One of you does. Who is it? This is great. This is exactly the thing I want. Oh, great. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And... Done that. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, now you do. This here is Tyler Landon Mays. Uh, if he He's not on social media, so he can't see any of the things I've been saying about him all day to, to tell you about our episode. Um, I've just been basically referring to you as a fellow Portland comedian and weed extraordinaire, except... I could not figure out how to spell extraordinaire, so I keep calling you an expert. <laughs> Both are good. I like extraordinaire a little I, I was trying for connoisseur at first, and that was way out uh, of my league. Yeah, I don't know how to spell that. I know how to spell extraordinaire. But yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I may have prepped for this, uh, knowing who I was going to be speaking with today. With some, uh, these are these are fruit drops. I just had about two hundred milligrams of uh, THC in a coconut oil capsule thing. So look, I took ten. Okay, and I, I this is why I call him a fucking connoisseur. Okay, hundred milligrams would fucking murder me somehow. Two hundred for me. Yeah, I'm still trying to base it within confines that I can wrap my goddamn brain around. Have I told you about leaving the you chill out one night and I was walking across the Tillicum Crossing? You know what that is? The footbridge? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm leaving, walking across that, and a train came by me, and I didn't see the train, and I felt the rumble of the, the bridge, and I thought an earthquake was happening, and I lost my mind. I was so high. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's the big one, and this is how I die. <laughs> Falling into the fucking Willamette. That is uh, par for the course for almost any and all conversations with one Tyler Landon Mays. Uh, almost every story will end with or begin with the words, I was so fucking high. I don't mean for them all to start that way. But they do. But they do. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if this is your first time tuning in, and I actually can't tell how many people are tuning in right now, so that's great. Uh, if it is your first time, uh, this is Everything and Nothing. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Cox. Usually, I have a, a co-host, Charlie Hickmont, but thanks to the grimy boot of capitalism, uh, he's he can't be with us today. Uh, so, instead, uh, I'm just going to... I'm just going to chill out with you. I'm not going to lie. Anytime I think of you, I just, I want the the chill out back. I was thinking of using it if I start an edible company, calling it the cookie chill out. You absolutely should. Yeah. I just, I want it to exist somewhere. 
I just don't know, for real, when you said earlier, fellow Portland comedian, I don't know if I'm going to go back to doing stand-up after it starts up again. To I've be been, fair, I don't think a lot of us do. I've been so enjoying not doing anything other than what ex exactly what I want to do, but I, I can't see myself going back to going to open mics for three hours a night, personally. But. Right? Like, all of a sudden, I started getting, like, I don't know, things started being better at my job. Mm -hmm. We're like, they, they brought me in where I come in and I help out with the new higher training classes now. And like, they're, they're upping my responsibility intake. And they're like, and this helps with the bonus at the end of the year. And as you keep doing this, this is basically the position we're grooming you for. Just, just do the things. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. Usually it's here, somebody else fucked up. Will you just take all of this responsibility? I'm like, cool, am I going to get paid more? And they're like, I mean, no. Uh, not our generation. We don't get paid more for new tasks at our jobs. That's not how, <laughs> how we millennials get treated, unfortunately. And and my, uh, great. The dispensary I was working at reopened, apparently, under new management, but I didn't get a call back or anything so they didn't they didn't want your expertise i think it might be like a new company altogether just using the same building and same name and everything i think they just bought it out so yeah that's not a reason to not bring back good employees though yeah but i was like do they even know i exist because <laughs> the place shut down for COVID 19 and then shut down for good apparently because i never heard anything back months and months later and I drove past it the other day and the place had a few um, uh, customers walking out and I saw huh. a sign and I was like, oh, son of a bitch. But I'm kind of over bud tending anyway. I don't want to deal with customers in a retail setting anymore because people are stupid and shitty. Well, I cannot argue any of those words, buddy. Not a one of them. Uh, what's, what's the plan then? Well, starting up, um, I've been doing like selling home baked goods, actually making cookies for people. So that's one way I've been making money and doing yeah. those paintings I told you about. So I've been painting dogs and making cookies for the past few months. That's how I've and been that's like, that's doing it for you? I also have unemployment, uh, finally. It took months ah. for to finally get through to unemployment. Uh, it took three months. So March, April, May, so it was like mid-June or something before I got any of that. So, but, you know, hopefully I, I want to start my own edible company. That's the goal. Yes. As a yeah. person who, I need you, look, I need you to understand what this man does to people, okay? You created a beautiful environment where stand-up comedians could go, all right, and just just hang out in kind of like our own, almost like a tree fort inside of a dispensary. Wherein we would have a potluck every week. And frequently, Mr. Mays here would wander through with just a basket. <laughs> Be like, here, have one. And if you were real brave, you took two. And then usually that person was about halfway through the list and they'd get up on stage and you would know that they had hit. 
Like, you'd watch as wave after wave would hit new comedians as they would approach the stage. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, know. and I, you, uh, One I remember the most clearly is Thomas Lundy. How he went up and took the mic and he was like, so, and then it was just like 15 seconds of silence as he, as it hit him. And he went, man, why do you white people have to eat your weed? Just smoke. Yeah. But just look up his face as it like hit him. Well, the first time I ever hosted a show, ever hosted a comedy show was at the hot box and I was on mushrooms. So like, were. Yeah, because I was I decided to trip and then go watch the show because it was at my venue, but I wasn't really comfortable doing stand up as like a host at that point. I was still doing open mics, but I was like, I can't fucking host. I don't have those skills. So Kushner, Andrew Kushner was our host. Yeah. I get a call. <clears throat> I'm 15 minutes away from the hot box, tripping quite hard when I get a call from Andrew Kushner and he's like, My daughter's sick, I can't make it. You gotta find somebody else to host, or you're gonna have to host. And I got I just like lost it i was like i can't do this i cannot fucking do this and so i went up to take the mic at the start of the show and i was going to tell the audience i'm sorry but our host backed out and i'm tripping on mushrooms and can't do this so we're gonna have to cancel the show so i go up and i say i'm sorry the host canceled and i'm on mushrooms so and then everybody cracked up yep <laughs> and wave of laughter like calmed me down and I was like, oh wait, that was funny. I can just keep, okay. <laughs> Talked about the fact that I was tripping for a minute and then just introduced the first fucking comic and just kept the show going like that. So it worked out just fucking fine, but God, it was terrifying. Before yeah. Laughed. <laughs> no, that is not, that is not a thing I would do before getting on stage. Yeah. Usually. I'm, I'll probably do it someday if we're being honest. Well, I can't remember who it was, but there was one night I gave a dab to somebody in the back room. What we called the green room at the hot box, but nobody ever used it. You know that little room I'm talking about with the sliding door? And No. Was there a hidden room in this whole fucking thing? That It's like if you're going back to where the bathroom was, if you went to the left instead of taking a right into the bathroom, you went through that door on the left, right past the bathroom. But anyway, I gave, oh. a, I gave a dab to somebody, and they... You know, I don't know if you, do you ever take dabs? Rarely. Well, when you give like a really big dab to someone who's not expecting to get that high all of a sudden, sometimes it makes them just lose their mind for a second. And like they're control themselves. So I gave the person a dab and they immediately walked out of the room, coughing their head off and walked out of the room and just walked into the middle of the showroom while a show was going on. So like Nathan Hart or somebody was on stage and all of a sudden this other comic comes in just coughing and like, oh my God, oh my God, like in the middle of their set. And I had to come grab them and be like, how <laughs> <laughs> <way> you <laughs> Just gently guided back to safety. Yeah, get them back to safety. Get them the fuck out of the room. Jesus. That's okay. Nathan Hart can take it. Yeah, that's true. He's, he's, he's got to He'll roll with that. That's fine. Man, that short-lived show that me and him had with Karina. What was it called? Can't even remember. The cowboy-themed one. It went so terrible. Oh, like the six weeks that they let us do it at Bit House before they canceled us. But there was one night where everybody was getting Why did they get canceled? Because we had no audience. The only audience that would ever show up was like 12. The, our best night was 12 people that came from down in the bar upstairs. 
and they were all so drunk and hostile that they just heckled the entire fucking time. And it got so bad that at one point I got so mad, I stood in the middle of the room and I went, if you don't, I think Karina was on stage and I stood in the middle of the room in the audience and said, if you don't have a microphone in your hand, shut your fucking mouth. And then the whole place just goes dead. And then I was like, probably not a great thing to yell at a comedy show, but Jesus Christ, stop fucking talking. Like that's how bad it got. <laughs> and then at the, there was these two old super drunk people, probably like, well, they're not super old, but they were super drunk, probably like 60 or so, an old couple. And they were saying like transphobic shit up at the stage during oh. the everything. Um, so I went up and I was like, you guys gotta get the fuck out of here. And like as the guy was leaving and like he turned and was like doing these fingers back at me and was like, oh, what are you going to do? And I was like, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. And then um, the guy turned to his wife and said, honey, we better leave. The security guard is losing his mind. And I was like, you're so drunk. You think I'm a security guard here? Yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes on stage. You just saw me do 20 minutes of comedy on stage and you don't even remember. You now think I'm a security guard here to kick you out. To be <laughs> fair, it's probably better that they thought you were a security guard. True. And then he said the funniest thing to me as he was leaving, as I was pushing him out the door, out to the sidewalk, he turned to me and he went, look, buddy, you know, you're not even a real cop. You're not even a real cop, okay? And I was like, I'm not even a fake cop. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Lord. <sighs> That's like, what. What the hell happened with your hair, buddy? Oh, I have a I have a bun now. There's just so much of it. Did you just did you decide it wasn't worth it to get rid of now? I always wanted to have <laughs> Jeez. I always wanted to have longer hair. And I figured this was a good time to see what it looked like. Yeah, that's that's kind of what's happening here. It's not, <laughs> yeah, not yours is yours is doing a lot better than mine is. Uh it's too thick, though, man. It's like my hair. You could go full Inigo Montoya now, though. Like, yeah, for real. That's not bad. Get a reboot going. Make your monies. <laughs> I will eventually cut it. Because I think I don't know. I think I look. It's going gray already. I don't know if you can see it. But yeah, I don't know if you can see mine going <laughs> gray. It's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I don't know. I don't want to have long gray hair. I feel like men with long gray hair look a little weird, right? Not always. Not always, but I don't know. You know what, when I was a kid, when blonde men would go gray and their hair would be that mixture of gray and blonde, I thought they just had super dirty hair. I thought they were just gross. That's just a fact about my childhood. Yeah. We're not always our best as children. I get that. <laughs> No, I was. I actually was. That was the best I was ever going to be. I don't know. I feel like you judge people less now. So, oh yeah, for sure. So what's your plan with, uh, have you done any like Zoom shows or anything? Any comedy shows since all this started? No, I put out a fucking podcast every week. And then I also stream like a few times a week sometimes. Because mm -hmm. video games are a thing. Oh, you're doing streaming video game stuff. I got you. Yeah. I got you. I think doing a podcast now is definitely, I don't know. I've watched a few of the, like the Zoom comedy shows and it's just too hard to follow. Yeah. 
I'm like, look, I, for one, we were doing the podcast before there was a pandemic. <laughs> we're, uh, I think we're at like a year and a half now. Nice. Uh, of, of doing the podcast. And uh, I don't know, we just, uh, we keep doing it. So <laughs> it's, it's always a new fun thing like this. This is a new one with the fucking, it's never just been only me. Uh, although admittedly, I was the first guest originally, and then the two co-hosts um, at the time were just like, "Can you just, can you just keep coming back? You can just stay. You're, you're our third co-host." And I was like, "Okay, cool." That's dope. Yeah, I've never had one last that long. I've had the ones, uh, I had two podcasts with my old friend Mark McMurtry. Yeah, um, yeah, I was um, on those. Yeah. Um, TG High F and what was the I don't even remember the Joint other. Break Joint Break thank you <laughs> yeah I was like I don't remember what the fuck it's called um, I don't remember the ones I'm involved with I get how it is Joint Break is actually that one we should start up again that was a pretty good idea but TG High a good idea if you go back and listen to those Mark and I would take like eight or nine dabs each and have a bunch of edibles and it's just me like talking at like this speed yeah, because your brain cannot function through the gunk that it has to work <laughs> through now. Yeah. It's processing at half speed because you've got literally yeah. just dabby goopiness in your brain pan, sir. And I'd look over sometimes and Mark would just be asleep. So. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he might hear this and not enjoy hearing this story, but Eric Edquist and I tried to do a podcast together about 90s wrestling. We were going to watch old 90s wrestling events and talk about them. Okay. The first episode we did, we're 10 minutes in. Talk, I'm in like mid-sentence, and his roommates come home. So they just you know walk in and start talking to him. He gets up and follows them into the kitchen, and then for like 30 minutes, they're just talking. And I'm sitting there with the recorder and the event plane, and I was like, so I guess uh, it's a solo podcast now? Yeah. <laughs> and then he came back after like an hour and was like, all right, so let's wrap it up. And I was like, okay, I don't think we have anything here. Oh, Lord. I think I, think I wrapped it up. I think, I think we did that. <laughs> I think it was just done. Yeah. Oh, God, podcasting. Oh, I don't know. That's fine. Well, I was just hopeful. That's that's okay. I feel like I can be heard better here, even though I also think that every fan is also louder with it here. So what's this behind you here? What are these? Oh, man. Okay, by the way, uh, as the only person who's paying any goddamn attention, hey, wait, if you're in the stream, take a vote. Which one of these do you like better? Because uh, whichever wall scroll you don't vote for, like whichever one is the less votes at the end of this, will be gone next week. And I will have a different wall scroll in its place. I like the so, one that you just held your hand in front of, not that one. This one? Yeah. All right, one vote for Demon Slayer. What about you in the chat there? I believe in you. Get back to me. <laughs> also, hit that follow button. I could use it. I'd like to get monies for these things. That way we can do more of these and maybe get like, you know, technologically advanced in some way, shape or form. Anyway, so this one is Dr. Stone. Uh, it is about Earth gets hit with some kind of world ending event. 
that turns people and birds and certain kinds of flowers to stone. Ah. And there are certain chemical compounds which have been found to break that layer and bring these people back to life. This dude is uh, just a genius whiz kid, basically like Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Jimin from Dexter. I was like, how is he like Dexter? From the serial killer. Yeah. Show. Well, <laughs> mm, anyway. Well, he's a cop. That's how. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking high school cop. Why not? It's an anime. They do that. <laughs> yeah, true. Fucking, why not? So, okay. Yeah, so he's just trying to figure out how to bring the world back to normal. Uh, and then we find out that, like, some people just already existed before we started breaking out. And then there's the whole mystery of, well, how the fuck did they get here? Were they not stuck in stone? Did they have something that makes them immune? And it's all just a science-based thing as they're trying to rebuild civilization. I'm really uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, it's it is super awesome. Um Demon Slayer is exactly what you expect it to be. <laughs> slaying it's of... these characters slaying demons. That's... That's Is that a is that a rat-headed thing or what? On the right. Uh, that is a boar. Or on my left, you're right. That is a boar head. Okay, like boar's head ham. Yeah. Except okay. boar's head man. Also, points. Also, also, uh, as an introduction here, points are universal and eternal. They existed long before I found them, but I do like to make sure that they are passed along as needed. Uh, points are earned for things that are funny or quippy or clever or pop culture reference enough. Gotcha. You yourself have a set of guest points underneath your chair that you may use at your leisure. Congratulations. Uh, one right here. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, going back to the comedy stuff earlier with stand-up. I've been doing like writing comedy movie scripts and stuff, but I don't know if I'll go back to doing stage stuff. It's like AC O'Neill's been doing a lot of scripts and stuff too. Sean has? AC O'Neill. Oh, there's I just heard the O'Neill part. Yeah. Uh, Sean O'Neill. <laughs> must know AC O'Neill as well. I know that name. AC, uh, he's one of the young guns, runs with the Dirty Angel Entertainment crowd a lot. Uh, okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I'm going to have to talk to him about that, see what his stuff is, is, is like, or if he's got uh, insight into it. I've got like. He's eight, just learning. Yeah. I've got but like. He's, he's doing all right about. with it. We've got a movie script that Mark and I are working on. You know that werewolf bar mitzvah song from 30 Rock? No. Why does everybody think I've seen 30 Rock? I don't know, because you like comedy. Yeah, uh, so the lyrics go, werewolf bar mitzvah, spooky, scary. Um, boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. So that's I like the, this already. Yeah. So Mark and I had the idea, we were talking about that song one day, about making a dark comedy about a Jewish kid who on the day of his bar mitzvah when he turns 13 finds out from his dad and grandfather that they are part of a werewolf uh, werewolf family and that once they become 
you know, once they hit puberty, they become werewolves for the rest of their lives. Once you become a man. So then the kid finds out he's a werewolf and then also finds out that he and his dad and grandfather, when they become werewolves, they go after Nazis and they kill neo-Nazis. So that's the whole story there. Werewolf bar mitzvah. Okay, what are you calling it? <laughs> Just werewolf bar mitzvah is what we've been calling it between ourselves. We have no other title. <laughs> I have to think of something. I want to work on that part. Uh, but it does sound at least entertaining enough to give it like, I don't know, like a six part mini series or whatever. That'd be dope. HBO. I mean, yeah. I assume YouTube, but <laughs> <laughs> it's been, uh, I don't know. It's like fun writing it, but it's weird trying to figure out cause we want to make it like a dark comedy, but it's kind of hard to figure out what's funny, not just to us, but to other people. Yeah, I feel like that's always been my problem. <laughs> that's If we had to sum up the reason I'm not a famous comedian right now, it's because I have a hard time figuring out what's funny, not just to me, but to, but to other people. <laughs> that's the trick, isn't it? <laughs> like, we had an idea for a scene. You know who Richard Spencer is, the guy, that, the neo-Nazi guy that got punched, like, years back and it was all famous the video oh like he's got the thing on his arm and uh, the leather jacket he's got like a uh, like a tweed jacket on or something i think no no no. you're thinking of a different dude i know exactly who you're thinking of that was a neo-nazi in seattle who got punched Um, okay look it's hard to keep them all straight here tyler i mean there's just so many of them yeah he got on video very famous video of it and he basically hasn't been seen since this was like three years ago or something He's the guy that had the haircut with all floppy on top and then buzzed on the side. Anyway, um, we wanted to base a character off of him. He's also famous for being in this video at a conference in like New York City where he's talking about Donald Trump and throwing out the Nazi pile signs and everything. So in the movie, we thought it would be funny if when he's introduced for a speech, one of the werewolves backstage has decapitated him. So when he's introduced, his head just rolls out instead. And Mark and I thought that was hilarious. I'm in. Talk to other people. They're like, well, it's a little, it's not bad, but it's kind of dark. And I was like, well, that was funny. Because it's a room full of Nazis and they're expecting their leader to walk out and instead his head rolls onto the stage. Yeah, no, keep that. You're doing it right. <laughs> I don't know I, what kind of naysayers you have in your life. You don't need their fucking negativity. Okay, that's a solid scene and you should keep it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of scene America needs right now. True. <laughs> Very true. Oh my god, we had Benjamin Tear on here last week. Oh, dope. I haven't seen him in so long. I don't think anyone has, unless <laughs> they've been t- covered in tear gas. So, yeah. And my girlfriend went down to help uh, with like a medical tent last week. I don't remember. I think it was last Sunday. And... She was only like two blocks, you know, like within a block or two of tear gas getting released. But when she came home, just the the particles of it on her clothes made me start to have a reaction. Yeah. She, she didn't even get that close to it. And I didn't even, I wasn't even there. And, you know, I was like, we got to get that shit in the basement. Like it's for real starting to make everything burn in my face. Crazy. And she's like, oh, I've just been wearing this for the last few hours. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't even notice anymore. Oh, my Lanta. 
Lordy. Now, all I can think about is this uh, Princess Bride reboot we're going to make now. I, I'm going to be Fezzik, obviously. I, was, I got a sword, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing all that stuff. Yeah, you get a sword. Who's, who's going to be the Wesley, though? Who's the Dread Pirate Roberts? Um, I can't remember what he looks like, but Benjamin Tear looks like a pirate. Well, Dread Pirate Roberts in this case is a, uh, for some reason, wispy, willowy man uh, with floppy blonde hair. Uh, but he likes to wear a mask. Like the... Okay. It's been too long since I've seen the movie to be able to come I suppose. But I'll be in the reboot for sure. I'm there. I got this stupid bun. It's not even a bun. That's actually, my hair is just so curly. That a ponytail looks like a bun. Yeah, that's, that's, that's part of how you're going to make such a great Inigo. Have you seen the amount of curls in that man's hair? That's true. I'm just taking it out. I've been doing this. There you go. There you go. Give it some when air. I was in fifth grade and Nirvana became really, well, I guess I was in like fourth grade and Nirvana became popular. All I wanted to be able to do was like grow my hair long. But because my hair is so thick, it goes like this for months and then starts to yeah. go downward. So it can just be, what if I style up like What do you think of this? Uh, have you seen Zoolander? <laughs> yeah. This is, this is very good. <laughs> oh my God, we're gonna have to get a clip of this. That's gonna be one of my favorites. That's, that's great. <laughs> I appreciate your Bernie shirt because I hate every contestant we have now for the price is wrong. And, uh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, it's like, I'll vote for Joe Biden. Just don't expect me to be happy about it. But I don't know. I've hated, Don like, I don't know. Since I was a little kid, I thought Donald Trump was a creep. So I'll just be happy to see him. And it turns out you were right. Yeah, for real. Little tiny land of maze, no one shit. <laughs> the stream is like 30 seconds off. Uh -huh. And so as I look to my left <laughs> to see if there's anybody chatting, I just get to see you all. It's <laughs> <laughs> mm, great. It was fun. It was fun to fly like that. You should, you should do it more often if it brings you joy. True. What the fuck were we talking about before that? I don't. Nothing matters. We'd most likely uh, presidential candidates. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Princess Bride reboot. Yeah, I still have my Bernie 2016 sticker on my jacket. Um, or not sticker. Uh, button. Right. There was one night at some show, Jenna Vesper had some line about how um like you know you're oh, that's much better yeah i forget exactly how it was worded it was something like about let's say misogynist you know you're a misogynist if you still got your bernie 2016 button on your jacket i was like i feel like that's aimed directly at me because <laughs> <laughs> i'm standing five feet away and i've got the bernie 2016 button on. it wasn't no ill will it was just a joke 
I'd be like, uh, what do you got against Barney? I don't really know. Well, you know, some people see it as if you're anti-Clinton, then you're then it's a woman thing, as opposed to like a corporate thing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, I don't like Hillary Clinton's policies. Yeah, I just don't like her. <laughs> Lots of them I don't like. Specifically her. <laughs> Not... I just don't appreciate... Sorry, I'm chewing ice on the podcast. Um, yeah, how dare you? It's not I like we ate nine different kinds of <laughs> snacks when I was on your podcast. <laughs> True. Mark just brings over like nine bags of M&M's. And when we get a pizza halfway through the fucking podcast, the pizza would get delivered and we would just be eating pizza. No wonder nobody listened to that fucking podcast. Hey, if you go back and listen to ours, you are impressed in the middle of the podcast at how well we got through eating everything without it ruining us talking (laughs) you stop in the middle and you're like oh man normally there's like a 10 minute silence break here and it just isn't here this time i'm so (laughs) proud of us and then there was never another episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah you were the last it was a fun one we really gotta get that started up again your yeah your episode was fun i think we only did like a handful of them there Uh, were three there was just yeah just three huh yeah i remember I don't really remember anything from Keith's episode, but I remember Nathan Hart talking about stories about wild animals just walking into his jobs when he lived in Florida. And he didn't yeah. know He was like telling that as a part of another story. Yeah, because it wasn't the main. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, our business was next to an alligator thing, like an alligator park. So then one day a, a gator was in the parking lot trying to get in through the doggy door of my neighbor's bit. I'm like, this is the main story right here. Whatever you're going to say next is irrelevant. <laughs> there were alligators wandering around is the interesting part to me. Yeah. And it's, like here's what's fucked up, though. Being from Alaska and, uh, and like him and Benjamin Tear being from Florida, we get yeah. to have conversations where we're like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. From outside of your world, that part's the fucked up part. And we're like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> one thing i tell about you to to illustrate how your alaska upbringing is different from my richmond virginia upbringing where so you like grew up kind of let's say in the middle of nowhere even if that's particularly accurate i grew up in a outside of a city that is so filled with police and authority figures you can't escape them so when we went to set off fireworks and you were like let's just pull off on the side of the road and just forever and i'm like we'll go to jail (laughs) (laughs) get arrested immediately (laughs) you were like who gets arrested for fireworks i was like everybody in the world does (laughs) just such different fucking he's like no as far as i know as long as we ain't lighting anything on fire directly we're good like (laughs) Uh, i've just had so many bad experiences with cops i'm just like so paranoid about anything i do leading to another interaction with the police Oh man, have you heard uh, the story of me getting pulled over on the way to Feckin' with Birungi Birungi in the car? No. No? So he was my, I think he was my feature for this this one, which it doesn't matter. Y'all did 20 minutes anyway. It didn't fucking matter. Just one of you ended it. So... (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so he'd come to my place 
to have me drive him in because Oregon City is too fucking far for most comedians to get to. And uh, on the way in, I had just gotten a brand new car. Like a, it was like a 2018 car in 2018. Mm-hmm. I've never had a new car. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and so I am flying by <laughs> every car doing like 75. And then I'm realizing that I'm, I'm going too fast and I start slowing down. Well, my uh-huh. timing is perfect because apparently what had happened is I passed a cop and began to slow down. <laughs> and so, yeah. now we get pulled over and she walks up to the window and she's like, uh, so is there a reason you were going so fast? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. I legit just did not realize I was going that fast. And as soon as I realized I was, I started slowing down. And she's like, okay, that's weird, because it looked like you saw a cop and you passed me, and then you started slowing down. I'm like, nah, <laughs> legit, pure coincidence, no idea. And she's like, uh-huh. License, registration, proof of insurance. I didn't have a license. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ, are you serious? So what I handed her is my now-expired... Oregon ID because I attempted <laughs> to get my license and I failed the written test. So they put it's a tougher than you think. If you don't prepare for that shit, they're gonna fail you. It's because okay, so I took my Alaskan driving test at sixteen based off of pure fucking common sense rules of the road. Yeah, real, I tried to take the test here. I was like, I've been driving here for a year without y'all motherfuckers having any say in what I do, and I don't know what half of this shit was. It's not on your roads, it shouldn't be in your books. Anyway, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, I hand her what is now an expired ID. (laughs) I hand her... Was it expired at that moment when you gave it to her, you're saying? Yes, because I had already attempted to take the test and failed. So they Uh hole punch your ID, and you don't have anything until you either pass a test or get a new ID. It's stupid, and I don't like it. So... (laughs) really fucked up. <laughs> I then hand her the insurance card for the car we had a week ago. <laughs> and then... <laughs> You're just really going off of confidence here. <laughs> and then, you know how when a car is sitting on the lot, there's that thing in the window... <laughs> That tells you like the gas mileage and like the the prominent features of the car. Yeah, that's what I handed her instead of registration. That was the third item I handed to this woman, and I just with a smile went, "Here you go." <laughs> and she goes back to her car, and I'm Birunji is right next to me, freaking out. Okay, because Birunji Birunji is from. Uganda, uh, like he's he's a black dude dealing with police. It is not a, an experience that goes well for him usually. And I say the words, Berunji, Berunji, watch this. And I'm pointing at my rear view mirror. And it goes, no, I don't know what you did, but no, no. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 this is going to be hilarious. Watch her face. And so sure enough, 
she gets to an ID that she sees a hole punch in. <laughs> she kind of shakes her head and she moves it to the back pretty quickly. Just kind of rolled that one off. Yeah. She looks at the insurance card and then she squints at the insurance card <laughs> and then looks at my license plate and squints at the insurance card. And then she opens the third thing, shuts it immediately. <laughs> what was the third thing again you said? Um, it was the like prominent specs of the car yeah. that they have in the window. And it was Nothing supposed to be my registration. To know. <laughs> you might as well have handed her a fucking McDonald's receipt. That's not May as well have. <laughs> what you fucking needed to know. <laughs> oh, man. And so she comes back to the window and she says, the fuck is this? <laughs> and I begin to explain. Well, how the first part happened is that I tried to pass your tests and they don't make sense. So I don't get to have an ID for some reason and Oregon is stupid. The insurance, I have insurance for this car. I paid for it. I swear, I just don't know how to get it because I only have the card for the old car because I think the girlfriend who's also on this card is the one who has that insurance card. She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and your registration? I have no idea what that looks like and I panicked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they asked me, I'd be like, you need to look through my car and find it because I don't know which... <laughs> I found it. I know what it looks like now. Does it say registration in the big letter? Yes. If it doesn't, we're fucked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then she looks at Baruch because she was asking me, she's like, "Why? Where, where the fuck were you going in, in such a goddamn hurry?" I'm like, "Well, so I have a comedy show that I'm hosting in 15 minutes out in Oregon City that I, I'm trying to get to, but like, I was not trying to speed this much. I legit just." did not register how fast this car was going because it's brand new to me. And she's like, yeah. you, I, <clears throat> do you have a license? And Barunji, with all the confidence in the world, goes, yeah. <laughs> she looks at me and goes, well, then why wasn't he driving the car? And I, point blank, because this is the honest answer, I didn't know he had a license. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought we were both, uh, I thought we were both licenseless, so. <laughs> Right? He doesn't even have a car. I didn't expect him to have a license. That's why I'm having to drive him. I didn't know doing it legally was an option. So. Yeah, I didn't... Had I known. Well, see, I've never had to do all that stuff. Well, is there more to that story? Like, Well, so then she just lets him drive the rest of the way there, as though I wasn't going to go get drunk and drive home. So... Yeah. <laughs> In the end, I tell this in February, usually at Dirty Angel Entertainment shows, um, as sort of my absolute proof that white privilege is real, because how did I get to rock away from all of I know. that? You didn't even have a goddamn license. So that's the thing, when people say, like, make the joke that weed has been legal for white people forever, I don't know if I've heard people say that, like, who cares if weed's legal? It's always been legal for white people. I'm like, not for fucking me. I got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like that was I know you've heard that story but do it do it my first fucking day of college my parents dropped me off and I immediately fill up the room with weed smoke <laughs> like I was in the honors dorms you've seen movies <laughs> I was in the honors dorms not because I was a great student just because like that's where they had room apparently I was in like 
honors classes through high school. So then they just put me in the honors program at college at VCU of Virginia Commonwealth. I was not prepared for that, by the way. The other students in the honors program, much, much better students than I was. I quickly learned. They kicked me out because I got caught with weed. So I never really had a chance to even be in the honors program. <laughs> so you were. I had to meet with the dean of the honors program and she was like, this isn't how people in the honors program behave. And I was like, well, I obviously don't belong here at all. So let's <laughs> 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 but so yeah, my parents dropped me off at, at the dorm. I have a couple friends over that were also going to the same school. Um, we smoke a bunch of weed, they leave. One of them leaves because he's like, we're gonna get arrested. Like this is dumb as shit. We need to get the fuck out. I'm glad you had one smart friend. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> So he leaves, other guy leaves after a little bit. Um, it's me and my friend um, Brian smoking for a while. Anyway, eventually the, there's a knock on the door and I just think it's gonna be like, you know, I, I'm in the mindset of like, we're at college. Nobody gives a fuck if you smoke weed at college, do whatever you want. So there's a knock on the door and I open it and it is the um, RA and security guard. And they're like, hey, you guys need to stay in your room for a minute. And I was like, what for? And they're like, just, there's an issue out here. Just need to stay in your room. So I shut the door again and I'm standing like, standing there in the room, like what the fuck is going on? And then there's a knock on the door again and I open it. And now it's the two security guards and are the security guard, the RA and a cop. And I was <laughs> like, oh no. And he was like, I already smell the weed, man. Don't even try to lie about it. And I was just like, okay. So Realized, I wasn't going to. <laughs> <laughs> like puts me in cuffs while he searches stuff and finds the weed and all that, but doesn't actually take me into the station. They release me right there with a court summons. Um, but so they just like give me the court summons and then they leave the uh, RA and security guard and the cop. And I'm just standing there and I'm like, fuck, like <laughs> I've only been in college for a short while here. For or four hours. hours now. So then on stage, the way I tell it is that I call my parents and I have to leave a message because they haven't even gotten home yet. That's not true. That's just what I say on stage because it makes it funnier to be yeah. like, happened so quickly they hadn't even gotten back to their house before I had to call them and tell them to come get me. Really, my dad answers and I was like, I just got arrested for marijuana possession. And he goes, what? Fuck, Tyler. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it worked. Just happened right after you, <laughs> right after you left. So they had to fucking drive. My dad has to drive back and get me. Just so happens that that day a hurricane is. I don't ever tell this part on stage, but a hurricane is fucking coming through Richmond on that day. So my dad and I, it takes us like what usually is a twenty-minute drive back to my parents' house took like two and a half hours going through closed-down roads and all that. And he's in the car with me, just pissed. Just so easily, <laughs> like, I could be home and not dealing with any of this right now. Yeah. So we get back to my house, get back to my parents' house. I walk into the way the house is set up, it's like the kitchen and then the, leads into the living room. I walk, see my mom sitting in the living room, just furious, just sitting in a chair, just staring me down. And in front of her is one of those little plastic chairs that they give to preschoolers, you know like a tiny plastic chair. Yeah. I don't, I've never seen it before in my fucking life. I don't know where she got it from. But she put that in the middle of the living room facing her. 
And I walk into the living room and she's just like, sit your ass down right now. And I sat down in this little chair. So like, for real, my knees are like up to my fucking chest. I'm in a little kid's chair. And she was like, what do you have to say for yourself? That's literally how she's talking. It's like through clenched teeth. What do you have to say for yourself? And I said, so this was like a Tuesday morning that they had dropped me off at school and everything. But my response when she said, what do you have to say for yourself? Is I was like, look, it's not that big of a deal. Who cares if me and my friends want to smoke weed on the weekends at a party? And then she got in my face. We're like this far apart. She grabbed, <laughs> grabbed me by the shoulders, like by my shirt. And we're face to face. And she goes, it was 11 o'clock in the morning on a fucking Tuesday. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know why my brain jumped to the old high school defense of like, who cares if we smoke weed on the weekends? It's not that big of a deal. But yeah, just that 11 o'clock in the morning on a fucking Tuesday. That was rough. That was me getting arrested there. But and I'm now only... you smoke weed at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday every day. <laughs> yeah, all the time now. But I've only been pulled over once. Um, and had to hand over my ID and all that stuff. Um, oh, no, no. I didn't have to hand over my ID, but I've only been pulled over the one time because they thought, because of a clerical error, they thought that my car was stolen. So have I told you this story before? Because you stole your car, they thought it was stolen? No, because I got high one day and couldn't find my car. <laughs> so I called the police department and reported it stolen. <laughs> And then I'm so confused. I came out of class one day and I could, my car was not in the spot that I thought it was in. I had moved it in between classes and had totally forgotten because I was stoned. So I went to the spot where my car, where I thought it was going to be, and it wasn't there. So I called up the police and I was like, I think somebody stole my car. And then when they came around to take my report, like, as I was about to talk to the cop, I like look down the street and I see my car parked two blocks away. And I was like, oh, wait, never mind. Never mind. It's right down there. And the guy was like, okay. And the cop just left. And he was like, call the detective you talked to and tell them that it's not stolen. So I was like, all right. So I get back on the phone and I talk to the detective that I had talked to earlier. And I, she didn't answer the phone, so I just left a message. And I was like, hey, this is Tyler Mays. We talked an hour ago. Letting you know my car is not stolen. I found it. Everything's fine. And then I just assumed that me leaving this message would be good enough, when apparently it was not. I mean, to be fair, why wouldn't it be? Yeah. So, like, nine months later, nine fucking months later, I have just left the river with some friends. So we went swimming just on a whim. So I'm in khaki pants, soaking wet khaki pants, rolled up to my knees, and I'm wearing nothing else while I'm driving. Okay. Shoeless and shirtless, just wearing wet pants, and I'm driving through the city after dropping my friends off, and a cop car starts following me. And I was like, oh, crap. It's probably because of my expired registration, because my registration was like three months expired. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking great. So this cop follows me for like 10 minutes and then follows me on the highway. And then it's like a second and a third and a fourth cop car start following me. And then I'm like, what the fuck? Why are there so many cops following me and they're not pulling me over? And then finally, right before I leave the county and go into the next county, they turn the lights on and they pull me over and the cop cars surround me. 
And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? My brain, literally, the first thing it jumped to is like, somebody I know has been murdered, and for some reason, I'm the main suspect. Like, because that, why else would there be so many cars? Yeah, why else are there five cop cars surrounding me? So they, yeah, it's like swing all around me, block the highway and everything. And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? And then they all get out of their cars and pull their guns and are pointing their guns at me. So I've got like 10 cops pointing guns at me. And one of them is screaming through his uh, loudspeaker thing, uh, turn the fucking car off, turn the fucking... And I was like, oh, I forgot to put the car in park and turn it off when I pulled over. So I put it in park and I turned it off. And then the cop is like, he's yelling at me all these contradictory directions like they do. He's telling me to take my seatbelt off. He's telling me to get out of the car. He's telling me to roll the window down. Just all these different fucking things. And I'm, I'm freaking out, just yelling out the window, don't shoot me, don't shoot me. And then... Finally, like, I, I realized the directions are to take the keys, drop them out the window, open the car door with the other hand, and then step out with my hands up. And as soon as I step out with my hands up, somebody comes from behind me and just tackles me to the ground. Puts me in handcuffs, puts me in the back of the cop car. They start searching my car. They won't tell me what's going on. I keep asking them. They won't fucking tell me. Um, thankfully, I had smoked all my weed at the river, so there was nothing in the car. So... A cop comes up to me, he's like, where's your license? And I was like, it's in my car, it's in the passenger seat. He walks over and looks on the driver's seat and goes, there's nothing here. And I was like, passenger seat, man, passenger seat. So he's like, oh yeah, here it is. And he takes my wallet. And then after a minute, they're like looking at their computer and looking at my ID. And then one of them just yells over, we're good, not stolen. And then one of the cops turns to me and was like, it was in our system that your car was stolen, but it says it's not, so you're good. And he hands me the ID. They unhandcuff me and then within 10 seconds they're all back in their cars and they just drive off down the highway and i'm sitting there just like shivering on the side of the road like terrified <laughs> like no clue what the fuck had just happened to me oh and at one point when they had patted me down after tackling me they were like why the fuck are your pants wet and i was like oh, i was just at the river like must have thought i'd peed in my pants or something right like what do you i don't so much of that was weird Oh, it was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. It was bizarre as shit. Don't fucking steal cars in Virginia, though. That's what we just <laughs> learned. God damn. It took them nine months to pull me over, even though they thought my car was stolen. So I guess it's not a, a super... Effective. I mean, yeah, but by golly, if you get caught, <laughs> yeah, there's real. apparently a whole ass whooping for that. I don't know. Well, it's not to, not to go too dark with this, but this is the story I bring up when people talk about when I'm trying to convince people that police brutality is an issue. Because um, one of the cops, after they realized, so it was probably 30 seconds between when they realized that like, I wasn't somebody that had stolen a car and before they left. And one of the cops said to me, you're lucky that you didn't take off. I was ready to shoot you. And then another one was like, yeah, I was ready that if he tried to take off, I was just gonna light him up. And then they all started laughing. It was like, Jesus. Yeah, they didn't say if you tried to run us over, we were going to shoot you. Or if you tried to shoot us, we were going to shoot you. They said, if you tried to run, we were going to shoot you. And then they all laughed. And I was like, is that a joke or just you guys being sincere or what? How am I supposed to process this information, sir? Yeah, for real. Man, I went home and told my parents that. I was like, Oh, it was only a few months after. It was like a year after I got arrested at school. So I was still 
with my parents and I went back and told them and my dad was like, we're suing the city, we're suing the police department. And I was like, let's not make my life way worse by right. putting the target on my back by the fucking Richmond PD. But yeah, that was my, so yeah, I feel a little uncomfortable around police. Yeah. <laughs> as you can tell. Oh, you can't tell, but as you can guess. I mean, marijuana has been uh, part of my life for as long as I can remember, you know? My dad would grow it, and so cops were always trying to catch him doing shit. Uh-huh. We finally had uh, one year where, like, they kept... I would go out to the bus, and there'd just be a cop car staking out at the corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And after, like, four months of that, eventually uh, they started just doing searches just random searches just show up with a warrant and just be like, hey, we're going to look around. We're looking for marijuana. Dad's like, okay. Gave it a shot. <laughs> so fucking stupid to put those resources towards them. Well, uh, we got three in one summer. And then my right? dad was like, cool, three rant searches in one summer. And my dad was like, cool, this is the third time you've been here this summer. Uh, yeah. So you're not going into my house ever again. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, if you come back here ever again, this is harassment now, and I will sue the entire state. You can go. Leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah, dealing with it once is bad enough. I've dealt with the police searching my house with my old roommate. Won't go into that whole fucking story. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, once is bad enough. I can't imagine fucking multiple times, man. It's like, it really messes with your sense of like safety. You feel like the cops are going to show up at your house at any moment and fucking arrest you. I mean, downside, my sense of safety has never really been all that secure in the first place. So... (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I realized I forgot to make the point I was going to make earlier by telling that college arrest story because i was talking about how we're talking about white privilege actually yeah my reaction when people say that like weed is has always been legal for white people i usually like get angry about that because i'm like well i was in probation for a year getting drug tested and had to pay like two thousand dollars in fines and all that yeah but like it wasn't legal for me but then when i think about it I have so many friends who got caught with weed and the cops just took the weed and then let them go. And that doesn't really happen with anybody but white people. And the fact that you didn't go to jail for driving without a fucking license or anything is pretty amazing. Pretty incredible that you, yeah, that, uh, that wasn't an arrest. So uh, driving without a license is not a jailable offense. Uh, oh, really? But normally what would have happened is they would have impounded my, because I've, I've been caught driving without a license before <laughs> so i know what normally happens is <laughs> <laughs> they uh they just take your car and it goes to an impound lot and then somebody who has a license has to come get it I hopefully it's you and you've sorted your shit out usually it's not and we see you in three months but you know um I think I thought she would go to jail for it just because of an episode of Friends where Rachel is driving without a license and when she gets pulled over, Ross is like, you're screwed, you're going to jail. So that's probably why I thought, go to jail. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's just fines. I gotcha. Yeah, I thought that was way more serious. (laughs) Nah. 
Although it does start counting against uh, being able to get a license in the future. And so there is that. Because, you know, you keep getting caught driving without a license. Like, well, you obviously don't give a shit about the rules of the road. So you can't have the legal way anymore. I don't know. Not that I think it matters to you very much at this point, sir. But fucking you can't have it. Well, have you heard these stories? I'm sure you have heard the stories about all the street racing in Portland off of like 82nd. No. It was like two o'clock in the morning, people like drag racing and doing all this crazy shit. And then like inevitably when you read the new, like the Oregon live stories about it, every single dude that they catch doing this and arrest, it'll be like 10 dudes a month they'll arrest doing drag races on 82nd or some shit. All of them don't have licenses or none of them have licenses. Either way, you'd want to. Not a single one. (laughs) All of them were like, this one was arrested for um, uh, reckless driving and driving without a license. This guy, reckless driving, driving without a license. I'm like, how the fuck do y'all have like cars, like drag racing cars? None of you have a driver's license. Because they didn't go buy a car. They made a car. You didn't need a license to build it. They probably lost their license for the same shit five years ago. And they're well, just like, also that. <laughs> just fuck it. Just keep doing it, I guess. It's Portland. What are you going to do? Indeed. You know, one of the things we like to do here on the podcast is the mental health check-in. So for realsies, though, like, Tyler, what do you do in these days to, to help manage... <laughs> the overwhelming stress that must be uh, crushing you as it is every other person on the planet right now? Well, my, I'd say my big issue is reading the news constantly and then having yeah. that dominate like everything I fucking think about. So I've been really trying to limit how much I'm on my phone because the only things I look at on my phone are like news related. Um, having a schedule that I try to stick to is like the only thing that keeps me grounded in reality, (laughs) focused on getting shit done. So having like from this time to this time during the day, I'm going to read, I hardly ever stick to it perfectly like that. But at least you have it. Yeah. And I always put in two like fun things in that time. Um, So like, two to four in the afternoon, like watch a movie I've never seen before. And then like in the morning, like, you know, an hour of a TV show I've never seen or something like that. So I'm trying to like get new entertainment and also make sure that I have like, I'm not just focused on working all the time, which working for me now just means, like I said, making cookies and doing paintings of dogs. It's not really, I hardly ever feel like I'm actually working on anything, which oddly makes me feel guilty because I'm raised in this like work ethic, Protestant, Southern Protestant bullshit that is like, if you're not working every single day of your life, then Jesus is mad at you. You don't want that. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I've been trying to deprogram myself from the idea that I have to be a worker bee every single fucking day of my life. It is hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, I think it'll be great for you when you get there. And I've been lifting weights and jumping rope every other day. So I, that helps big time for real. Helps me feel less anxious to work out. So. I have not been jumping <laughs> rope or lifting weights. Oh, my knees hurt like hell, but everything else is good. Well, all right. I'm like, my knees already hurt like hell. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. 
Uh, oh, and gardening. Been growing a lot of tomatoes and killing it. I was going to say, I just uh, recently got some plants of my own, and I've been pretty excited about them. Oh, yeah, yeah. The special variety. Yeah, they're they're White Widow. Oh, dope. I have four growing in the back, but I have no clue what strain they are, because my seeds got all mixed together. <laughs> I got oh, lucky no, in the seeds. I had them all... I had my sprouts in separate sections of the house and I knew what each one was. And then one day I went to water them and I watered them all together. And then 10 minutes later, I was like in the next room and I was like, Oh no, like I didn't separate. I have no idea anymore. (laughs) No idea what these are now. So I don't even remember what strains I use. So we'll see. I could have weed. Here are my neighbor, my roommate's dog going insane upstairs. Uh, yeah, growing weed at home is like the coolest thing ever. That's a good thing to do. Yeah, it's been interesting to take uh, things I learned from my shady childhood <laughs> and start turning them into like ways that I get to actually take care of myself. Yeah, it's like True. I had a I had a week there where I was like, oh man, I I feel like I'm just I just could not feel like emotion for anything. I just. I thought I'd run out of whatever happy juice exists in the human brain. And then I looked out and like saw my little plants that had been droopy the day before were like, blah, and all like straight out. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, you go little buddies. And I was like, oh no, I just, I'm just going to be a plant dude now. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been thinking about is when like thinking back to what I want to do when things kind of go back to normal. I just want you, me, and Benjamin Tear to have a commune. Is that so wrong? That's like for real what I think. I mean, my grandmother were talking about this recently because she was like, we need to get away. She was like, your generation, you guys have been so economically screwed. It's like, what y'all need to do is start buying property together. And you buy a bunch of land together and you have your houses on different parts of it. So you have your own private space, but then you all have like a huge communal garden. I was like, yeah, it's exactly what the fuck we should do. It's hundred percent what we're gonna do. Yeah. Cause like I don't wanna I used to think about joining a commune up in the like the Blue Ridge Mountains. I don't even remember what it was called. <clears throat> but everybody lived in the same house. You had your own private room, but everybody lived in the same house. And I nope. was like, I don't nope. wanna fucking do that. Nope, I'm getting a my- tiny house maybe, but yeah. I'm getting a house. Yeah, I want my own space, but I want a communal space as well that we're all working. Cause yeah, all I want to fucking do is grow plants <laughs> and like, eat food and uh, a little rope swing into the river. Those are the three things I want to do. Right, like just exist for a while. It'll be great, honestly. Yep. Exactly, just exist. Not. Yeah. I think back to like all the drama that exists within like the Portland comedy scene specifically, and then life in general. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just not really interested in any of that anymore. Not really my thing at the moment. So, oh, that's weird. You know, I'd wondered if I fit in with the Portland comedy scene for so long, but I'd never really considered whether they'd be the problem or whether it was. I just assumed it was me. (laughs) Well, it was like making me feel so shitty that I was only getting booked on like one show a month, if that. Then I was like, man, to let that determine how, like, what my self esteem is like is ludicrous. Because, like, I never thought I'd do stand-up in the first place. Growing up watching comedy, 
and being so obsessed with stand-up, it seemed so out of my reach, like something that like gods and goddesses did almost. Like these people are so fucking brave and talented to go up on stage and do this, I'll never be able to do it. So just the fact that I started doing it, did it for five years, did a handful of shows, it's more than I ever thought I'd accomplish. So then when I realized that I was feeling shitty about myself for not having five shows a week, I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, Comedy is weird, man. It fucks with your head in so many ways. Oh, yeah, for sure. I remember my- we were we were doing like a D&D thing for a while where it was like me and Ben Rose, Kelly Irwin, Robert Gresham. Chris Ettrick and Nathan. Uh, so just a bunch of comedians doing D and D. And at one yeah. point, I was like feeling real bad because I was like, "Well, you guys are regulars at Helium, and like you guys get booked on this show fairly regularly, and you have your own show again now." Yeah. And I just feel kind of shitty. And then fucking Ben Rose looks at me, and is like mean mugging me, and I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Okay." Okay, here's a here's a fun thing we get to do today. Raise your hand if you've been on a festival this year. <laughs> and my hand went up, and nobody else is dead. And he's like, "Cool." <laughs> yeah. That's Any fun. other questions? <laughs> yeah, you can get things like that and still feel like a total fucking failure. Yeah, and I I was like, wait, you guys are jealous of me? And they're like, I. You went to Alaska on a festival and got to meet Kyle Kinane. Yeah. And I'm like, you are a regular at Healy. You get to meet new comedians like every week. Like, and you get Everybody has such different goals. What do you? Yeah, success that it's. Dude, I. Like last year when you guys were on, it was you and Nathan were in that Alaska comedy festival, right? Yes. Anybody else from Portland or just you two? Uh, we were the only ones from Portland. We had a couple other uh, Seattle comics. Yeah. Like Brady Seacules was out there with us. So I and applied. Derek Sheen. It got canceled for this year because of COVID and everything. But um, I applied for it this year. And Nathan Hart and I were talking about it. And he was like, the booker is going to love you. He's going to love you. Tape like your type of comedy is perfect for this. He's like, yeah, I think you would really do well in Alaska. I, he's like, yeah. He's like, I'll send him an email too that I know you and that you would do that. I think you'd do well. And he's like, you're a shoe in for this. So then I applied for it and got rejected. And I was so goddamn crushed. Not because I wanted so badly to go to Alaska, but because I was like, okay, this is my best chance for an easy access to a comedy festival. (laughs) That's not even, none of that is accurate though. Nathan lied to you and that's on him, not you. I don't think he was lying necessarily, but he. Well, like he has no control over. Well, no, but he's sending an email doesn't do jack shit. But I do admit you would have done great at that. But he was confident. Yeah, he was confident that it was like a festival that I would get accepted into. So I went into this is not Nathan's fault at all, but I went into that with the mental like mindset. Mm -hmm. Like I'm definitely getting into this festival. There's no fucking way I'm getting rejected. And then that was arrogant and stupid. And then. The email I'll never forget was like, but hey, the good thing is, and I was like, oh, here's the part where they tell me that I'm on a waiting list and if anybody drops, then I'm on. 
Instead, it was like, the good thing is your $25 application fee will go to feeding and housing the comics who do get accepted. So you're still supporting the artistic community. And I was like, I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. Fucking choose me for the festival and fucking give me some validation, you dick. That's what I'm after. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it's weird. Like, that, too, that was for me what the big, like, defining thing for success was at my level was to get accepted to a festival. Um, Which is weird because I don't know how I got picked for this one. Hmm. Like, I mean, don't worry, I applied and everything, but I know what <laughs> tape I sent, and I maintain that that sentence is accurate. I don't know how I got picked for that festival. Well, I don't know, but did you do well? Did you enjoy it? Was it good? Have you not heard some of these stories? I don't think so. Not about the Alaska. Oh Alaska. my God. Okay. Okay, so night one, my mom and two of my sisters and one of my cousins have driven from North Pole to Anchorage to come watch me be part of this festival, okay? And my mom, uh, to give you an idea, one of the, one of the ways I, I introduced the idea of my mother to other people is to explain that I have watched this woman drink a bottle of Jack Daniels no and then hop in the van and drive to Safeway to buy a bottle of Jose Cuervo. <laughs> and then she brought that home and she drank that. And then she hopped back in the van and went back to Safeway to buy another bottle of Jack. And then she came home and she drank that. And then she still wakes up every morning at 6 a.m. to make it to work on time. That's just who my mom is. I, I don't know that there's more to her than that. But, I'd be dead. Huh? I'd, I'd be dead after the first few liquor drinks. <laughs> She's some kind of poison resistance at this point. <laughs> so she shows up uh, and, and begins a drinking. And there's a gentleman on stage who's not doing great. And he's, he's kind of getting a little anti-Semitic with a joke he's trying to do. And my wow. mom could not let him do it. <laughs> not because she was trying to like bravely defend anything, but just because he would say a thing and then she would think it was stupid and so she would heckle him. Now this happened once where she yeah. heckled and then he just zeroed in on her and he tried and he tried and he tried to like make this joke work with her and just could not. And after her wrecking his entire set, she is like, at one point she goes, hang on, hang on, hang on. I need you to understand. I am drunk. And I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but I cannot stop saying things in response to the stupid shit you're saying. <laughs> but you have a choice. You can choose to do jokes instead. <laughs> Biggest laugh of his entire set. And then he walks off stage. And then six comics later, I get to come up and go, so that's my mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and Lord. go from there. Christ. Oh, man. Yeah, I have not heard that story. I would, my parents have never seen, they were at the hot box for a show once, but I didn't perform on it. They've never seen me do stand-up live. They've seen videos of it. 
my mom saw me do stand-up back when I was the worst. Like, like before I'd made it to Portland, even. My first time back in Richmond, back in Virginia, at a pizza place. Right before, two comics before I went up, the host, who was drunk as shit and who was not getting any laughs, decided to just scream the N-word because he said he was just trying to get a reaction and wake up the crowd. No. Imagine the feeling in the room 10 minutes later when I went up to do my first set. It was god-fucking-awful. And three of my friends were in the back of the room, even though I had very specifically not told anybody that I was doing this except for my girlfriend at the time. Because I was like, I do not want people watching me. I was like, no. I was like, you can come see it because I know you'll support me either way because I know I'm going to do terribly. This is my first time on stage. But I don't want anybody else to even know I'm doing this. And then I go to do my set and in the back of the fucking room are three of my best friends. And then I ate a dick. I told a story that was supposed to last five minutes. It lasted about a minute and a half before I just bailed. (laughs) Just like, just went through it as fast as I could. Um, And then on the walk home that night, I was walking with my friends and it's just like dead silent for a few minutes. And then one of them just goes, so that really didn't go very well, did it? No, Brian, no, it it didn't go very well. Not at all. So I didn't want you there. I didn't want you to know I was ever doing it. But I remember in that moment saying to myself, I actually said it out loud to my friends. I was like, the good thing is I've done stand-up comedy now. I know I'm really awful at it and I never have to do it again. I've at least tried. (laughs) I'm never going to get on stage again. And then I moved to Portland and I was like, went to watch comedy shows. And this is a little arrogant to think, but I remember sitting there at open mics that I would go watch and I'd be like, half of these people aren't funny at all. And I'm at least this much funny. So if I can go up and be that much more funny than half the people here, it's at least like no one's going to boo me off stage if I don't make them laugh. Cause all these people are bombing real fucking hard. So then I just joined the, the group of people continuously bombing for quite a while. Oh my God. My, uh, so in, in Alaska, I did this thing called the funny fest for two years. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it sounds great. It sounds like I got into a festival in Alaska for two years. That is not what this is. The before you die fest. That was a festival. Mm-hmm. I have a tattoo from that. It's great. If it ever comes back, I am more than happy to help in whatever way I can with achieving whatever dreams Cass Smiley needs. The Fairbanks Funny Fest is where uh, they bring a professional comedian into town. And then he basically has two one-hour shows over a weekend where the opener is five amateur comics. Nice. Because they they bring 10 of us in. They're like, cool, you're the people that want to learn how to do comedy, right? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, he's going to help you workshop your jokes into like workable stage material. And it it works uh, for the most part. Like I I wound up with like my first decent three-minute set out of the whole thing. Not a great one, but a decent one. It was definitely darker than humorous. Um, (laughs) I was in a bad place. (laughs) So... (laughs) But we I at all least have for quite a while now, it seems, comics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you then go up and you do your three minute set for one day. You pay a hundred dollars to get three days of workshopping to get three minutes of material. Uh-huh. Now I will be honest, 
after doing it twice, I fully believe that the $200 I spent there is completely worth it. Oh, that's good. I got so much better at understanding the formulas of how mm-hmm. joke writing works just because this dude, he realized that if he would sit there and tell me, I would like soak it up. I was like, yes, I would actually like to learn. And he's like, oh, you actually have like premises already. And you have an idea of where your punchline should be, but let's get these a little better. And I was like, yeah. yes, please, yes. And he was like, oh my God, I can teach, like actually teach you things. <laughs> so many people show up to do stand-up with no, not even like a premise. Well, yeah. They think that a premise is just like, the start of one idea instead of like connecting ideas or something like that. Like I've heard people go up on stage and be like, just be like, Hey, what's with like, you know, you're in like a parking lot and there's like one traffic cone as if I can't drive around that. I'm like, is that your joke? Is that your fucking premise? (laughs) Like what? And then they'll look at the audience like nobody laughed at that. And I was really expecting to build off of that. They'll just be like, why? I'm having trouble even coming up with like a good lack of premise sort of thing that people say. Just be like fucking Donald Trump, right? Like, what an asshole. You're like, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, just him just seeing that you actually had an idea of how things should work was probably. (laughs) Yeah. Fresh air. God damn. Yeah, I was like so. I hate the idea so much of like failing at something. I'm so like averse to that. Um, That's why I don't try new stuff. I think a lot of people are. Yeah, a lot of people are. Um, But like the way that manifested in my head with comedy when I first started is I was like, I'm not going to learn any of that stuff. I don't want to know the formulas. I don't want to know all that. I'm going to be the sort of guy who just does my own thing and figures it out that way. I'm just going to Andy Warhol of comedy. Yeah, my own thing will be so unique and I don't need to have a formula to figure out how a joke works. That's not how funny stuff is. And then just by doing comedy for a couple of years, I think subconsciously I just started to actually form things that way. Because I was to like- put it in the right formula because you were hearing it yeah. right so often. Yeah. You're like, exactly. oh, that's how it's supposed to be done. Yeah, and I was like, oh, maybe I should actually try. Like when Nathan Hart showed me one time that he had like, cards up on like a bulletin board thing like connecting ideas and like workshopping punchlines and I was like oh that's why he's like makes audiences laugh more regularly than I do (laughs) and more consistently is the motherfucker tries real hard yeah he's he's put some effort into it (laughs) yeah he puts effort into his art it's not just throwing random shit on a canvas and seeing what the fuck sticks so yeah that was my my problem I think for a long time I didn't want to try the normal way because then I'd fail at the normal way and then I'd have to accept that I just wasn't good at it. <laughs> right. You're like, if I can stay in denial, then everything's fine. I, Boy, I've I been there. Be, yeah, I don't know. My viewpoint of my own talent with comedy is I'm just good enough to feel guilty about quitting. Where like, I'm like, Tyler, if you did put in real effort, you could be good at this. I'm like, yeah, but I'm never going to do like five mics a night. I'm not ever going to be that dude who like truly puts in the hard fucking work to become truly good at it. So I wish I was real, real bad and then could just be like, no one has ever laughed at my material. I'm out of here and I'm never doing this. I'd be like, people wish I would quit and that's fine. That would be... (laughs) That'd be easier. Yeah. Um, 
I'd say every third show that I would do would go really well, just enough to keep me like, oh, well, now I'm hooked. Hooked on that sort of feeling of like a good show. <laughs> yeah, but my last show I ever that I did was at the Waypost for Eric Etquist's thing. Like, I don't even know when that would have been, probably oh, February. And um, he brought it back for like a couple weeks and then COVID hit. COVID then, hit, yeah. yeah. So that was my last show that I did and it went really fucking well. And if I never do stand up again, I'll at least I, at least I went off in that. <laughs> I want to keep doing comedy stuff. I just don't know if I want to put in the effort to do like stand up. You know, doing all yeah, things. yeah. I don't know. I've been in a weird place where I feel good about host. That's part of why I do this, and I host uh, trivia nights for McMenamins when they were still doing those. Yeah. You know, yeah. is that I think hosting I'm good at. I think yeah. I think I've I'm just a welcoming presence. You know, people tend to think fairly teddy bearish thoughts about mm. my existence, and that's uh, that's genuine generally enough to to make you like me enough to want to laugh at the things I say, even when they're dumb. Because even I know they're dumb, and it's fine. We both know it's dumb. It's okay. So anyway, we're gonna bring on this person who's funnier, and like that's <laughs> I'm square in that spot. I I fit real well in there. Yeah, but I also have that versatility of oh, I have to play off of an audience to get them more hyped for this next person. Well, I can do that. We yeah. proved that out in Oregon City, and so like hosting, I feel great about. I am a mediocre comedian. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about myself too. But yeah, you are good with hosting, for sure. And that's not an easy fucking thing to do, because like a comic can show up at a show with his set his or her set figured out in their head already and like okay i'm gonna do these jokes do this set do this story but a host has to fucking react to the audience and like figure out what kind of audience it is what they want to hear and how to get them drawn into the show that can be really fucking hard to do and if which is weird because i i have such an easier time with that than doing comedy because to be a host i don't have to be funny tyler i just have to be interesting yeah, and true. I've got that in spades. Like I got that figured out. Yeah, I say anything about my childhood or what it's like to grow up with moose in your yard, and people are like, "What? You <laughs> fun? Who?" <laughs> yeah, but I remember like that story I told you earlier about being on mushrooms and hosting my first show. I was fucking terrified because you like, should be. Yes, you're not so supposed weird. to do it that way, buddy. I just mean at the concept of hosting at all. I was like, oh, God, like everyone's going to have their attention on me like this whole time. <laughs> I don't know. Were you on the Bar 33 night that Ben Tier and I were hosting together and both of us zoned out and a comic just walked off stage at the end of their set? And somebody, <laughs> somebody was like, hey, Ben, Tyler, <laughs> somebody go up. And I looked at Ben and I was like, isn't it? it? <laughs> he was like, oh, shit. We, neither one of us knows how long the stage was empty before we realized. Oh my god! We just both just zoned out like I can't do this anymore. It's so tedious. <laughs> I admit, an open mic, yeah, it was not my favorite thing. But doing a show, yeah, it's different. Yeah, I I love doing a show. Indeed, yeah, it is a different feeling. Yeah, doing a mic is just you, God, going up. 30 literally like 35 times <laughs> yeah 
And I would always worry I was going to forget people's names or say the wrong name of the person coming off stage or some shit. Oh, man. Nawal Masari. She's the one that finally got me. I don't think I know her. She's... Yeah, I guess she started probably a little bit after, or came back a little bit after you had dropped off. But she had been doing comedy before also. She just had like a two-year break there. Um, but she's got a podcast she does called the Ghost and Hoth Podcast. It's pretty great if you want to get yourself some oh. spoopy time in. Yeah. Um, but she's just, she's funny. She's a great comedian. I was just... And I was sitting there, I was like, Nawal Masari, Nawal Masari, Nawal Masari, Nawal Masari. Please welcome your next comedian, Nawal. I'm sorry, I, I cannot remember what your name is. And she like rips that mic out of my hand, just like, you could make the words I'm sorry out of my last name, Masari, <laughs> Nawal Masari. And I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, no, Masari. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah, you know, it'll happen. There was, I don't know, I can't remember what name it was. It was like Colette or something like that one night at Bar 33. And I made Ben Tier, I was like, it's pronounced Colette, right? And he was like, yeah, I know you have trouble with the real exotic names. And then he went, and he was like, hopefully Tyler doesn't have to say any more weird French names tonight, like Colette. And I was like, all right, I get it. Uh, I uh, so much. I miss him. Uh, yeah, I miss the days when Benjamin could just be sassy and not, you know, filled with an actual murderous rage. Well, you know. <sighs> the good old days. We'll come again, I'm sure. You know, stand outside in the parking lot and smoke a jack. Man. I do. I miss being able to just pass a joint around a circle of random people. I don't know why. To me, that's what a community is: is just being able yeah. to walk outside and go here, and then people just form a circle. That's that is what <laughs> I should be able to do. That anywhere is how I feel. I don't know. I don't know if you were there the night that um, I think it was Jaron George came up to me one night. And was like, "Do you want to go outside and get high?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah." And I walk out there, and then he's just standing there for a minute. And I was like, "So, let's do it." And he was like, "You don't have, you don't have any weed." And I was like, "You asked me if I wanted to get high, man. I thought you were inviting me to smoke weed. Like, I don't have any on me." He's like, you "Always have weed. You always bring joints." And I was like, "It's true. Usually bring like five joints to the open mic." Okay, but that's also rude to be like, "Hey, do you want to go smoke weed?" And then not tell them that you expect them to have the weed. But it was just how much people expected me at that point, how much I had established myself as the weed dude. <laughs> when I first started comedy, I thought that Andrew Kushner was like legit famous because the first time I ever saw him was at Funhouse Lounge. And it was a group of like 10 comics just standing there waiting to go on stage. And Kushner walked in. He's got like a leather jacket on or something. He looked like he was just dressed really fucking cool. Yeah. He his haircut. Never seen Kushner before. And he just walked up and he held up like a bowl and he was like, let's go smoke some weed. And like all 10 dudes followed him outside. And I was like, man, that guy must be like an established comic the way everybody just like followed him. No, like, he just had the weed. 
And I was like, no, he's just got the weed. That's why everybody... <laughs> Look, that has been my networking tool for two years. Like, I am, I am known to always have weed. No. Me and high drinks. If you're, if you're out and about and you're looking for someone to share a bowl with you, you find one of us. Oh man, um, I feel like I mentioned this. No, I didn't mention this earlier. We were talking about taking dabs in that back room at the hot box. Mm-hmm. There was one night that I gave one to somebody. All of these stories, I feel like you might be part of them. <laughs> There's a good chance. 75% of them, you're either standing right there or you're the subject of the story that I'm talking about, and I've just forgotten. <laughs> and as the person is taking the dab and stands up and blows the smoke out, my boss opens that sliding door. And it's very clear to me that I can smoke weed in that back room, but nobody else is allowed to. And he told me that he was going to Seattle. So I thought he was fucking three and a half hours away or whatever. So that smoke comes out of somebody's mouth and the door opens up and he just stares at me. And then he goes, please ask everyone to leave this back room. And I was like, okay, everyone had to leave. And then he just stared at me for a second. He went, I thought we had an agreement. And then as he said that, Kevin Perez opens the sliding door and goes, hey, I hear we're doing dabs back here. And I was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> get the fuck out, Kevin. <laughs> Sean was so cool, though, that like that's all that was said about it. Like, I thought we had an agreement. And I was like, you're right, I'm sorry. And then that was the last word ever said about it. Most bosses, if they found you doing dabs at work, would lose Fired. <laughs> oh, imagine that shit. Anywhere else. Oh, Lord. Good old hot box. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's some delivery hub for some weed company. Fuck them. What, that place is just cursed to be linked to marijuana for now until the end of time? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Can nothing else take over that spot? What happened there? I don't know. It's a shitty building. Doesn't have any AC or heat or anything like that. Yeah, so- I remember we tried to cook a lot in there, like a lot of dumb fucks, until they told us we literally weren't allowed to anymore. Yep, when we were told that the pancake smell was bothering the other tenants in the building. I was like, and fuck the other tenants in that building, all right? They can come down for pancakes. We weren't keeping anybody out. Nope. Goddamn. Yeah, that was so much fun. But yeah, I forgot there'd be nights or days in the middle of winter where... Sunday just- brunch, Yeah. Everybody's fucking freezing. And then in the summer where everybody's just like <laughs> sitting there, 35 people packed into a fucking room that size. Oh, God. It was so much fun, though. I'm so glad we had that space when we did. I'm like, and that's all the proof I need also that you're a great host because they just kept coming back. They were like, we love this place. You I was really a beautiful atmosphere. When it first started, I remember everybody being like, you should do shows here, but open mics aren't going to work here because it's too far out of the way from where everybody lives in the city. And then it ended up, nobody would ever show up to our showcases and we'd get 40 people to every fucking mic. So it ended up being an open mic place more than anything, which was great. Yeah. And especially because I could just, I was, my policy was like any night that I'm working, if you're a comic in Portland, you can run an open mic out of here. Like, I yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll come open the door for you, show you where the stuff is, and you can run your own show. It was so great to have that. But. That's why I need you to have your own business again. 
<laughs> so that we can just run a, a small comedy show out of the back. Yeah, I have been thinking for years now since we lost the hot box that if I could find some business that has just a small garage or some detached room they don't use for anything, it'd be like, look, we'll give you like a hundred bucks a month or something if you just let us use this space and like, you know, either charge some money for showcases or have comics that do open mics, you know, just pitch in a quarter each or something, we could get to a hundred bucks a month pretty easy. Yeah, it wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was, uh, I was on mushrooms one night at the Waypost. <laughs> one night at the Waypost just watching a show, I think. And uh, I think. Robert Gresham came up to me and he was like, hey, you know what you should do to save the hot box and get more money? Because it was right as we were, we knew we were shutting down and everything. He was like, to get more money for Canada and the city so they'll let you keep the hot box, you should start charging every comic that goes up like a dollar to do a set. And he was like, you'll get like 30 bucks a night. You'll get like 400 bucks a month or something. It's like, it's not that unreasonable. And then I'm sitting there just politely trying to just nod through the conversation, even though I'm tripping way too hard to talk. About. <laughs> and then Chris Boatwright walked over and just leans in and he goes, hey, Robert, you know what people on Mushrooms love talking about? Finances. And then just walked away. And I was like, yeah, I can't really talk about money right now. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> like, that might be a good idea. You just need to talk to me about it tomorrow. Right. Get back to me. We're going to, we'll hash this out later. Right now I'm focusing real hard on trying to keep a human looking face just. <laughs> and failing probably. <laughs> you, I'm sure you were doing okay. I'm probably doing You, you tend to manage. You've got uh, so much mustache. It hides a lot of. It's true. <laughs> I shaved it off like a month ago. And I realized I have an incredibly small mouth. It was fucking weird as shit. Facial hair for the first time since I was like 19. And I was like, I don't have, I barely have a mouth. Goes to there. That's about it. Anyway, that's just a fact about me. I have a forehead and a small mouth. We'll, we'll find a way to use that in advertising someday. Oh, and one other interesting thing is that my eyebrows connect if I don't do something about it. And then they connect to my sideburns, which then of course connects all here. And my beard hair naturally connects to my chest hair. No wait, Tyler, but why is hair. this not a thing that you've turned into the world's like, you could be a meme. It's, <laughs> you have the power. Why have you not held on to this? When like, I realized do it. I was like, my God, my neck hair connects to my beard, which then connects to my chest. <laughs> I was like, I just have a monkey suit on, basically. You're the werewolf bar mitzvah. <laughs> That's true. Spooky scary. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, man. Oh, so. man. Tyler, it's been great hanging out with you. I miss yeah, you a bunch. So Thank we you. should. We should do more hanging out type, have a, have a stay apart or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> a hang out, a cookie, chill out electronically. Yeah. Need edibles in our own houses and video chat. Who drops? Do you happen to have Goldeneye on N64? Do you have an N64? No. Okay. I'm trying to find people that have that so we can like, do trial runs like no i know i you do you remember 
what it was like when I, oh, God damn it, we were ending this. But do you remember what it was like when I came over for that tournament for Goldeneye? The, what did I call it? Damn, damn right or something like that. Because the first level is the damn. And people thought I just didn't know how to spell the word damn. Yep. <laughs> we all just assumed you were too high to spell the word damn. So <laughs> I didn't know that damn like that has an N. This is damn like a big thing that blocks water. It's, um, In yeah. short, I was terrible because I had never played that game before. So that's uh, that's how I feel about you When I pointed out that we were using like NCAA basketball brackets where the best player goes against the worst player in the first round, you were like, what? <laughs> I have to go against the best people? And I was like, yeah, sorry. Yes, that in fact was me. And I still don't fully understand, but that's fine. And so the better people have an advantage, which isn't fair. <laughs> Makes me feel great, Tyler. What? Makes me feel great, Tyler. <laughs> Let me just get stomped as hard as possible. Like, right out the gate. White privilege the game. The people that think they're better get an advantage. <laughs> Jiminy friggin' Christmas. Christ. All right, well, th thank you much for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Fuck yeah, thanks for coming in. Thank you to anybody who came in to the, the stream here. Uh, fucking leave a vote so far. This is the one that's staying. We're going to see what replaces Dr. Stone next week, unless one of you puts something in the chat here soon. I'll leave it up for a minute. I do want to thank each and every one of you for checking this out. Uh, this has been great, and uh, have a good night. Good night. Do I sign off? I don't know. We make this up as we go every time. So, do you right, want I'll to? Just, I'll just hit the leave button now. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, man. Okay. Have a good night, Chris. Oh, it's.